14, it says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be uh, which go in thereat. Because, verse 14, straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Now, the main, uh, main body of the Sermon on the Mount is now done. Uh, with verses 13 and 14, we have the application, or we have the conclusion. Jesus is beginning to wind things up. Uh, some people might call this the appeal section of Jesus' sermon, and it's really kind of short. I mean, it's not a, a, a big, long, drawn-out, emotional kind of appeal. It's, it's, it's very much, hey, look, this is your choice. Be smart about it, okay? Use your head. Think it through. Make the right choice. Now, what's immediately unusual about these verses is, is the absolute nature of, of the choice we have. I mean, we would really rather be given more than, than just this one choice or, or really would rather kind of take all of everything that makes us comfortable and kind of conglomerate them into one belief system so we don't have to make any choice at all. Uh, but Jesus cuts across all of this, and, and he will not allow us the comfortable solution that we would be, you know, that, that we would want. Instead, he insists, ultimately, that there's only one choice. There's two possibilities, but there's only one choice. There's only uh, two ways. There's right and wrong. There's good and evil, there's the way to heaven, there's the way to hell. Uh, and we're all walking in one or the other. Uh, there's no middle space, there's no middle way. One commentary says, The distinction of the children of men into saints and sinners, godly and ungodly, will swallow up all to eternity. That's, that's the choice. You're either a saint or a sinner. Uh, the time for decision has come from chapter, uh, chapter 5, verse 1, up until now, the time for decision has come. It's either the kingdom of Satan or it's the kingdom of God, the prevailing culture or the Christian counterculture. That's the choice. You notice in verse 13 it says enter. The Greek word breaks down literally as come in. It's very simple. Come in. It's an invitation. Jesus is inviting you to walk his path, to walk the kingdom path with him. These verses, 13 and 14, and if you drop down to verse 21 and look at it, they're the only ones in this whole sermon that touch on the subject of how to be saved or, or, or how to enter into the kingdom of heaven. What Jesus is dealing with, what he's talking about here, is eternal life, either eternity in heaven or eternity in the lake of fire. So we're going to title this the two gates, but really it's, a, it's more a set of two several things. Like first we'll see there are, there are two ways. All right. Now the idea is already found in the Old Testament uh, quite often. The most notable one is probably Psalm chapter 1 where it contrasts the way of the righteous who will delight in God's law. They will bear fruit. They will prosper. Then there's the way of the wicked who'll be driven away like the chaff and they'll perish. The two ways refer to, to two types of lifestyles, right? There's the easy, the comfortable, the popular life, 
or the difficult life of self-denial. Another commentary says, the righteousness of the kingdom would be seen to involve self-sacrifice. And that, right, that alone, that is what makes it so extremely unpopular. So first of all, as far as two ways go, there's the wide and the easy way. When it says broad here, the word indicates a broad place. So the road is so broad that it doesn't even look like a road. It's so broad that it's difficult to recognize or realize that you're actually walking down a road. It looks more like, more like a plaza, more like a, just a big open area. It's broad. It's spacious. It's roomy. There's no curbs. There's no boundaries. You can think whatever you want to think. You can do whatever you want to do. It's wide and it's easy. It's so broad that you don't know really that you're on the road. It's so broad that you have to, you have to look for it. You have to look for the narrow way. We'll get to that in a minute. I'm getting ahead of myself. The broad way the broad gate is simply the entry into human existence. You pass through that gate, you're, you're born, you're here. Entry into human life, okay, just being born, leads to destruction. Romans chapter 3, verse 10, for all have sinned. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, the wages of sin is death. If you continue on this broad, easy way, it's going to end in, in, in destruction unless you find that narrow way. See, this, this way is easy. You can, you can go this way with all your lusts with you. You don't have to give them up. You don't have to check your appetites. You don't have to check your passions. All the desires of your sinful heart in its fallenness are welcomed on this broad way. Superficiality, self-love, hypocrisy, the mechanical religion, uh, the false ambition, all that judging we talked about in chapter 7, verse 1, the censoriousness. So you'll have an abundance of liberty walking on the broad way. Do what you want, think what you want, doesn't matter. You'll have a lot of company on this way, too, because there will be a lot of people there with you doing exactly what they want to do, thinking exactly what they want to think, believing exactly what they want to believe. Tolerance and permissiveness are the battle cries on this broad way. There's plenty of room for, for diversity of opinion, plenty of room for, for, for lax morals. No effort is required here. That's why the road is so easy. See, the, the, the natural inclinations of your sin aren't, aren't crossed. They're not, they're not challenged. There's no demands placed on your conscience. And those who travel this broad way, they're fine just the way they are, and they see no need or reason to change their way. They don't like to be limited, and they don't like to be con con constrained or restricted, and they won't be on this broad way. But the lost man who is somewhere in this great expanse of road, assuming that he's just in this plaza, that it has no determination, no destination, that he has nowhere to go, he has nothing to do, but live his life 
and have a good time. But the righteousness that Jesus demanded in chapter 5 and verse 20 does not come through this wide gate. It doesn't come through the broad way. It says it leads to destruction. And this destruction is not extinction, but the loss of well-being, utter ruination. The one main disadvantage of this broad way is its end. It leads to destruction. You may have a wonderful do what you want, no morals kind of life, but because of that choice, you will burn forever in hell in the lake of fire. That is destruction. The second way is narrow, and it's hard, right? Many pass by just kind of carelessly, not even looking for it, not even realizing it's there. It says it's narrow. And narrow means that it runs counter to the natural sinful inclinations of your sin nature. It, 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 it means compressed, like, like the narrow gap between two high rocks, all right? Uh, very difficult to get through. And, and the way it's worded, as hard as it is to get into, it's, it's, it, it, it continues to be that hard to walk down. See, the boundaries here are very clearly marked. Right? Now, that wide road, no boundaries, you could go anywhere you wanted to go, no restrictions. But no, the boundaries here are clearly marked, and the narrowness is due to something that we call divine revelation. Revealed truth, God's revealed truth, imposes the limitation on what Christians are to believe. On this narrow way, we don't get to believe anything we want. We must believe what God says. And then God's revealed, goods, God's revealed goodness sets the boundaries on what we are to do or how we are to behave. We don't get to do anything we want. We obey what the word of God says. And the very first step involves a revolution in all our resolve and all our plans. It, it involves a surrender of all that is dear to us, all that is important to our sin nature. And then everything that follows is just a repetition of that first act of self-sacrifice and self-denial that we had to do in order to trust Christ to save us to begin with. See, when we start walking this, this narrow way. We're, we're not in heaven as soon as we start this little path, right? You, re, you realize that. The nation of Israel wasn't in the promised land as soon as they crossed the Red Sea, right? They had a little ways to go. They had to, to work through some things. We have to travel this narrow way. We're hedged in by God's divine word. That sets the boundaries for us. Self must be denied. The body must be kept under control. Our corruptions have to be mortified, treated as dead. Daily temptations have to be resisted. And the things that must be done must be done against our sin nature. We have to endure hardness. We have to wrestle. We have to be in, 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 in agony as we walk through this. And the word rendered straight means, means difficult. It indicates that the difficulties on this narrow way, walking with Jesus uh, in his kingdom, they, they come from external sources. 
The entry into eternal life is through the narrow gate, but the life that follows, if it's lived the way Jesus has just announced it's to be lived, will include suffering and antagonism from people on the outside. Jesus said so. So if living for Jesus is always easy for you, you're doing it wrong. All right? The way that leads to life involves straits and afflictions, Matthew Henry says. True righteousness leads to self-denial. Now, Jesus describes the comparative unpopularity of this narrow way. But it has an advantage. It leads to life eternal life, a, a temporary life with some hardship, but an eternity of blessing and peace. It, does it not make sense to choose the way that will lead to the best eternity, regardless of how difficult it is right now? You live for yourself now, and yes, it's easy now, but you pay for it in eternity. Or you live according to God's standard by faith in Jesus Christ, and yes, life is not going to be fun like it would be on the Broadway, but you have an eternity with Jesus. Blessings and peace. It's the two ways. Broad and easy, narrow and hard. We see also that there's two gates. They are also wide and easy, and they're broad and hard. The gate leading to the easy way, it says, is wide. It's easy to get on the wide road. There's no limit to the amount of baggage you can take with you on this wide road. You don't need to leave anything behind. You don't even have to leave your sin behind, not your self-righteousness or your pride. Yeah, take it all with you. It's fine. But the righteousness that Jesus demanded in Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, does not come through this wide gate or the broad road. Yeah, it's easy now, but eternity will be terrifyingly forever. But life will be easy for the short time it lasts. Do you, do you see the, the foolishness? of taking this wide gate. You, you buy temporary pleasure. You buy temporary ease with the sufferings of eternity. That is not a bargain. That is not a good deal. Oh, you have the narrow gate, the hard gate, the straight gate. And straight, again, it means difficult. And it denotes the suffering due to the pressures or circumstances or, or antagonistic people, which means the problems, the issues that you occur on this narrow road will primarily come from people that don't want you on this road. And the verb always means external troubles. And the gate leading to the hard, narrow way, uh, it has troubles, and these troubles are going to come. It's not going to be easy. Jesus says it's going to be hard. The gate is straight, and it's easy to miss. You have to look for it to find it. It's hard to find. It's hard to get through, like a narrow passage, like we said, between two rocks. It's as narrow as a needle's eye. An entry into this gate 
much like a turnstile. It is, it is one at a time. See, God has no grandchildren. You have to go through one at a time. Just because your mommy and daddy went to church and they had a profession of faith does not mean you're good. It's one at a time. Every single person must walk through this narrow gate if they're to have any hope of eternity with Jesus. According to Luke chapter 13, verse 24, you have to strive to enter the straight gate. And that word, word, word strive means, means to work hard, like you're struggling with an opponent. And if there is an opponent to struggle with, it's probably going to be yourself. See, it's hardly wide enough. It's just wide enough for one. And this expresses the difficulty of that very first step of getting saved, of trusting Jesus to save you. You enter this, you have to leave everything behind, your sin, your selfish ambition, your covetousness, even your family and friends if necessary. No one can follow Christ who has not first denied themselves. If you're going to go through this narrow gate, you must go through with nothing but faith in Christ. See, Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 9, that he says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. We know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by him. See, the narrow gate is your salvation, and the narrow way is the Christian life that follows your salvation. So the gate is the gate of salvation. It's as though the gate is on the edge of this broad way that everybody is walking around on, and you have to look for it. You have to find it. Uh, Jesus promised that, that, that if you seek, you'll find, right? The narrowness indicates that the way which leads to salvation, it runs counterintuitive to your sin nature. Your sin nature, your fallenness will tell you, no, that can't be right. No, there's got to be an easier way to do this. But that's your sin nature speaking because there's only one way, there's only one chance you have to get through this gate, and that is faith in Jesus Christ. Because of this, few will abandon their natural sinful predispositions and choose this lifestyle. Because they see it as just too hard. See, there must be a new heart, a new spirit. Old things must pass away. We must stoop. We must become as little children. Our high thoughts, our proud thoughts have to be brought down. We have to strip away our pride and our self-righteousness and our self-sufficiency. We must deny ourselves. We must be willing to forsake everything for our interest in Christ. When commentary says, the bent of the soul must be changed. Corrupt habits and customs broken off. What we have been doing all our days must be undone again. We must swim against the stream. Must, uh, much opposition must be struggled with and broken through from without and from within. It is easier to set a man against all the world than to set a man against himself. Yet this must be in conversion. 
This is how we begin a life of faith, a life of godliness. We must pass out from the state of sin and into a state of grace by the new birth, by the finding and the walking through this narrow gate. Well, thirdly, you'll see that there's also two destinations. There's two ways, there's two gates, there's two destinations. And again, we've already mentioned Psalm 1, that the, you know, there's, there's prospering and there's perishing, the only two alternatives. And, and Moses made it clear in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15, where it says, See, I have set before you this day life and good, death and evil. He goes on, blessing and curse, therefore choose, okay, choose life. So the first destination is death, hell, destruction. The wide gate, the wide way leads to destruction. And it does again, it does not mean extinction. But it means the utter loss of well-being. Complete, utter ruination. It leaves no room for the doctrine of annihilation of the unsaved, which some others teach. No, it's, 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 it's death, eternal death, hell, the lake of fire that burns forever. That's the end of the broad, easy way. Sin leads to that way. Everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord, whether it's the main road of open debauchery or it's some back alley way of hypocrisy. If it's the way of sin, it'll be your ruin. You must repent. Turn to Jesus Christ in turning from your sin. And this word destruction, it's a, it's a terrible word. I mean, it's terrible because God is, I mean, he's, he's, he's appropriately uh, the creator, not, not the destroyer. I mean, we, we were created to, to, to live forever in his presence, not be, not be separated from him in death. This idea of destruction at least gives us the idea, the freedom to say that, that the things in our life, the good things in our life are going to be destroyed in hell. The broad road, the broad road is a suicide road. Choosing the broad gate, walking the broad way, is condemning yourself to an eternity of never-ending pain, never-ending suffering and anguish, and you do it to yourself. Because you choose the wide gate, you walk the wide road that leads to your own destruction. there's another destination it's kind of hard to get to it's entered through this narrow gate but it leads to life it leads to eternal life it leads to fellowship with God it begins here and it's perfected in heaven you get that 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 eternal life that abundant life the moment you trust Jesus as your savior Perfect fulfillment as human beings in the selfless service of God and others. The, the, the glory that's waiting for you from, from, from being in heaven. All that Jesus has promised you. Remember, God says that, no, your best imagination cannot imagine. You cannot conceive the things that God has waiting for those that have trusted Christ as their Savior. When you see all of that. What little pain, what little suffering, 
what little hardship you had to face walking this narrow road is going to pale in comparison to what's waiting for you. One hour in heaven will make amends for it, one commentary says. All the difficulties we faced walking this narrow right road, eternal bliss for, for, for us and all it costs, all it costs is a short lifetime of self-sacrifice and self-denial. How can it not be worth it? How can Jesus not be enough when our sins are forgiven and we'll spend eternity with him? But there's two crowds also. There's the many and there's the few. We need to remember that the majority is not always right. The fact that everybody does it is no proof that it's, uh, it's the right thing to do. Remember that this wide road, it's a busy thoroughfare. It's thronged by people of every kind. You see multitudes on this broad road laughing and carefree with apparently no thought to the dreadful end that is waiting for them. Now think for a moment. Did, did your profession of faith in Jesus cost you anything? Is it costing you anything? If not, then it's not a true profession. Many people who trust Jesus, they say they trust Jesus, they never leave the wide road with all its cravings and all its associations. They have an easy Christianity that makes no demands on them. Do whatever church you want, the way you want, if you want, it's okay. Come if you want and don't if you're too busy having fun, it's okay. Read the Bible or don't. If there's something better on TV, it's all right. Do what you want, when you want. Make the call. No, that's, that's not the Christianity that's going to get you into heaven. Jesus said the narrow way is hard. The narrow way is self-sacrificial. And we cannot walk on two roads in two different directions at the same time. If your Christianity makes no demands on you, then you're doing it wrong, you're getting it wrong, and you can't afford to get it wrong. But then there are the few. Comparatively, the narrow way is looking kind of deserted. Those who find it are few. Now, we who have found the straight gate, we are in a despised minority movement. Do not overlook the unpleasant truth that only few will be saved. Jesus knows it. He said it. For those of us who have trusted Christ as Savior, we have found the narrow gate. We are walking the narrow road. Do you realize how incredibly blessed you are that you have found that straight gate, that you're walking that narrow road? See, true, true discipleship is a, is, is a minority position. It, 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 it's a matter of deliberately opting out of the mainstream. But it's a matter of life and death. So those who have trusted Jesus, I mean, like, this is us. It's a happy band of pilgrims walking hand in hand. We've turned our back on sin. We've got our eyes set toward the celestial city, and we're walking on if nobody walks with us. Because we know that the Jesus waiting for us at the end is worth every hardship we might face on the way. 
There's two gates, two ways, two destinations, and there's two crowds. Now one word is common to both both crowds, the few and, and the many. And the word is enter. It's because the many enter the wide gate that Jesus urges those listening to him to enter the narrow gate. Now this implies that, that neither crowd is ignorant of the issues. Each has been presented with the choice and has uh, either deliberately or deliberately continues to walk on one or the other. Now, now, now this is it. This is, this is the one choice. There's two options, but there's one choice. There is no middle way. There is no other gate. There is no neutral group. There's no third alternative. Everybody resents having to make a choice. We don't like being backed into that corner. But Jesus will not allow us to escape making a choice. People like to be uncommitted, but Jesus is going to make you commit. He says, well, I just don't want to choose. Well, then you have chosen. And you've chosen to stay on the road that will lead to your destruction. Choosing to do nothing is making a choice. One commentary says the matter is honestly stated. It's life and death. It's good and evil. They're set before us. Both the ways and both the ends. Now let the matter be taken entire and considered impartially and then choose you this day which you will walk in. You can either go in the straight gate or the narrow way. You can't do either one of those without the assistance of God's grace. You will not find the straight gate. You cannot walk the narrow way. Without the grace of God. But that grace is freely offered and it's not going to be in short supply. It's not going to be lacking for anybody that wants to seek it. Now look, this is going to sound silly. Consider it hyperbole. Exaggeration to make a point. No man in his right mind would choose to go to the electric chair just because it was an easy walk to get there. Make sense? Nor would any man in his right mind refuse a palace and a throne just because the walk was hard. But these are the absurdities that people are guilty of concerning their soul. They think life is easy, but it's going to end in destruction. Well, they can walk a road that's difficult and it ends in life and peace. If you wouldn't walk to an electric chair because it was easy to get to, why would you walk this life without Jesus Christ? If you wouldn't turn down a palace and a throne because it was hard to get to, why would you turn down Jesus Christ? why why delay 
what, um, what is there left to think about? What is there left to mull over? What is there left to consider? You enter at the straight gate. You have a life that may be challenging. You enter the wide gate, a life that's going to be easy. A life of ease and an eternity in hell, or a life of challenge and blessing and an eternity of ease. I mean, that's, that's your one and only choice. It's Jesus Christ or it's not Jesus Christ. It's eternity in heaven or it's an eternity in hell. It's a narrow gate or it's a wide gate. Jesus wants us to choose. We have to choose. He will not let us not choose. If we choose not to choose, we have chosen destruction. And he loves us too much to allow us to go in uninformed. He gives us every opportunity, every time we hear the gospel, every time the Holy Spirit brings one of those verses you learned as a kid to mind. Uh, he, he is prompting you, choose right, choose right, choose right. Because the price is too high. So which gate are you going to walk through? Which road are you going to take? Which destination will you end up in? Which crowd will be your company? It's time to make a choice. Stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Our Father, again, we come to you insufficient for the task at hand. Father, your word says that it's time to make a choice. For those of us who you have blessed with your grace and faith in Jesus Christ to, to find that straight gate and that narrow way, we want to say thank you. Thank you for your grace. Not just the grace to find the gate and to walk the way, Lord, but... Uh, Thank you for the grace that awaits us in heaven. The reward of being in your presence. And Lord, though this way gets difficult from time to time, thank you for the promise of your presence. But Father, in a crowd this size, we do not want to assume that everyone here knows Jesus as our Savior. We don't want to make the presumption that everyone here has found the narrow gate and is walking the broad way, the, the narrow way. So, Father, we, we pray for those that are, that are on this broad way. We pray for those that have walked through the, the broad gate that's leading to destruction. Father, we pray that your spirit would convict them of their sin. We pray that you would lead them to faith in Christ. We pray, Father, that they would understand, they would see by the conviction of your Holy Spirit the folly, the utter foolishness of the course of their life without Christ. And we pray, Father, that you would bring them to salvation. 
Oh, Father, we pray that you would convict them, make them so wholly uncomfortable in their sin that they have no choice but to fall at the feet of Jesus and beg to be saved. And with your heads still bowed and eyes closed, we don't do this very often, so keep your eyes closed and your heads bowed. But if you've heard something this morning that is prompting you to wonder what road you're on and, and you would like prayer, I'm not asking you to come forward. I'm just asking you to raise your hand, put it up, and put it down. Just say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure of my eternal destiny. I'm not sure what road I'm on. I don't want to end in destruction. I want to end my life in life and peace. But I'm just not sure where I'm at. Would you raise your hand just up and down real quick? I see that hand. I see that. Anybody else that we can pray for? All right, thank you. Father, we want to thank you for the courage that you've given those that have raised their hand. And Father, we do pray for them. Lord, we, we pray that your spirit work in them. As we prayed at the beginning, Lord, praying through the prayer list, we, we pray that you work until Christ be formed in them. And Father, we pray that you hold on to them, that you grab hold on to them, Lord, and you, you convict them of that sin. And, and Lord, you work in them until Christ be formed. I don't know how else to say it, Father, that you work until they trust Jesus to save them. That you give them more opportunity, more grace. That, Father, your spirit pleads with them as nobody else can. Father, we thank you that in your wisdom you chose this plan of salvation. That if you were going to be fair, you would not offer salvation to anyone. But Father, you're not fair, you're gracious and you're merciful and you're loving and you are just and you are holy. Thank you how all of those attributes come together to provide us salvation through your Son, Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray this morning. Amen. Mike, could you come ahead, please?